Good afternoon. Glad you guys are here. And today is a special Sunday. We're celebrating fathers all over the United States and over the, all over the world. So if you're a father, let's give it up again for you guys. <laughs> and I want to thank you guys for being here this afternoon. Today is your day, right? And you could have chosen to be anywhere else at the ranch, hunting, golfing. But you chose to be here. That shows a lot. That shows who you are and what your character is all about. So thank you for that, guys. So, men, I'm going to ask you a question specifically to you guys, the men. What comes to mind when I say the word warrior? What comes to my mind is this. A guy with muscles, kind of like Mike, with a beard. I, I don't know why I always think of a, of a warrior with a beard because I can't grow a beard. I don't know. But that's what I think of, a guy who, who has a sword, who has a shield, who's ready for battle. I think of movies such as Gladiator, Braveheart, 300, where they go into battle hand-to-hand, -hand, where there's just chaos and there's just destruction. I, I'm trying to get you pumped up, men, for today's message, right? Did you guys know, talking about battles, did you guys know that in the Old Testament, there's a lot of stories about battles, there's battle after battle after battle. And I love, I'd love to meet one day, which I'm sure I am, I know I am, two of the greatest warriors I believe in the Old Testament. Talk about warriors. I can't wait to meet Joshua. You guys know who Joshua is? Joshua was this guy, again, this warrior who Moses told, he told 12 men, including Joshua, go into the promised land and check it out. Ask spies, go in there and come back and let me know what you guys see. Ten of those men came back and said, no, they're giants. But Joshua and Caleb, they said, no, they're no giants. We can take them, a warrior. The other one is David. Talk about a warrior. You guys are familiar with David, right? As a young man, he kills this giant Goliath with one stone. David leads battles of warrior men into battles. He prepares them into battle. He is, man, read it for yourself again. I don't want to just tell you the experience by reading your Bible. And what I've learned in battles, in these kind of battles, hand-to-hand -hand combat, most warriors would die by two things. If men went into battle as warriors and they scattered, they would surely die. As a matter of fact, you see that in the Bible. God would cause chaos, they'd scatter, and his men would overtake the other armies. That's one way. The other way, if a man, of a warrior would be wounded, he would surely die from a fatal wound. They weren't able to take care of that wound properly, so the outcome would probably, most likely, be death. Then again, men like Joshua, men like David, went into battle, seems like every day. And David, a man's man, a warrior's man, created warrior, warriors in his men. But the sad thing, as we're going to see today, is that even though David was a great warrior who made other warriors, he wasn't able to create warriors in his children. As we're going to see, 
David did not make warriors of his children. He wounded his children because of what he did not do as a father, as a man, as a warrior. Today we're going to step outside our series that we've been in called Wonder Why. We're going to finish our series next Sunday. We're going to conclude by answering the question, I wonder why God feels far away. But today, today we have a special Father's Day message. And today's message I've entitled this. We as men need to make warriors, not wounds. We need to make warriors, not wounds. Before I get started, I want to give credit where credit is due. I read a great book called Intentional Parenting by Doug Fields. I really recommend this book if you're a parent. It will guide you on how to really raise up a child, a child in the ways of the Lord. How to make a warrior in your household. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to 2 Samuel chapter 13. We're going to cover a lot today. We're going to cover a story that is found from chapter 13 of 2 Samuel to chapter 18. I'm going to summarize a lot of it, and we're going to go a little quickly. So, 2 Samuel chapter 13, a little bit of context. David, the warrior, the king, had many wives and had many concubines and had many children with these wives and these concubines. And David's oldest son was a son, a man named by Amnon. He was the next in line to become king. And then he had another son with a different wife with the name of Daniel. And then his third oldest son from another wife was a guy by the name of Absalom. Now Absalom had a sister named Tamar. And that's where I want us to pick up the story. 2 Samuel chapter 13 verse 1. It says this. Now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. Amnon lusted after his half-sister Tamar. And so he wanted whatever, whatever it took to be with her half-sister. So he tells a friend of his... And a friend comes up with this crazy suggestion, and this is what he suggests. Verse 5, he says, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. Amnon says, that's a great idea. He asks his father, David. David says, sure, why not? So Tamar comes over to Amnon's house. And as soon as Tamar arrives at Amnon's house, Amnon says, everybody, everybody get out. And so they do. And Amnon proceeds to violate her, his half-sister. And Tamar begs him not to, but he doesn't stop. And after this incident takes place, this is what happens. Verse 15, then Amnon, it says, hated her with very great hatred. So that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And after this, Amnon says to his half-sister Tamar, get out. Get up. Go. 
Word gets out. Everybody finds out. Of course, King David finds out. Absalom, the other brother, finds out. And here's how David reacts. Verse 21. When King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. That's it. David just got angry. He didn't do a single thing. He became very passive and all he did was get upset. Verse 22, but Absalom, the brother, spoke to Amnon, neither good nor bad. Absalom did not want anything to do with his brother. Nothing at all. Wouldn't even speak to him. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had violated his sister. How does David react? He doesn't. He doesn't do a single thing. So because of that, he wounds his son. And the hurt begins. Another great book called Wild at Heart. John Elridge, the author, writes about a wound that he calls the father wound. And listen what, what he has to say. He says this, every boy in his journey to become a man takes an arrow in the center of his heart. In the place of his strength, because the wound is rarely discussed and even more rarely healed, every man carries a wound. And listen, fathers, and the wound is nearly always given by his father. I pray, church, that as fathers, that as godly men, we are not wounding our children, but we are making them warriors. Warriors, not wounds. Two years, two years go by after this incident. And Absalom decides to gather all his brothers. So he calls his dad David up and says, hey, I, I want to have this big carnasada, gather everybody together. David says, why? And Absalom says, just, just I want to. I want to see my brothers and my sisters. So David says, okay. But Absalom had a different plan. He orders his servants that as soon as Amnon gets drunk, that his servants were to kill Amnon. So Amnon is murdered. He is killed. Of course, David finds out. He summons all his children back to him. What's going on? All the children go with the exception of Absalom. And this is what it reads in verse 36. And as soon as he, as soon as David had finished speaking to his children, behold, the king's sons... They came and lifted up their voice and wept, and the king also and all his servants wept very bitterly. When he finds out, they all weep, they all cry, they've all been wounded because of this incident, because David did nothing at all. And they all are hurting and crying. And Absalom is not even there. Verse 37, but Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amnihud, king of Geshur. But it doesn't end there. It does not end. It gets worse. Absalom, three years after this, now five years have passed and Absalom decides to gather up his own army to go and overtake his father, the king. He's been wounded so much. That now he wants to kill his own father. So David finds out. 
And David flees from Jerusalem. 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 14. Then David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us go or else there will be no escape from us, from my own son Absalom. But again, the wound has been inputted so deeply. The hurt, the pain that even after Absalom goes and takes over Jerusalem and he declares himself to be king, he now wants to go after his own father in the wilderness for battle. So he does that. So David prepares his army for battle. And before they go into battle, David summons up all his commanders and says this in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. And the king ordered Joab. And Abashai, in Nittai, he says this, listen, gentlemen, he says, deal gently for my sake with Ima, with a young man, Absalom. Please don't hurt my boy, Absalom. Do not kill him. Is it clear? And they all got it. And all the people heard when the king gave orders to the, all the commanders about Absalom. They go out to battle. King David's army wins. 20,000 men are killed that day, including Absalom. We read that he's trying to get away. He has long hair. He had long hair. And as he's riding away, his hair gets stuck in an oak branch. And when this happens, this is how David's men react. Verse 14, Joab said, I will not waste time like this with you, speaking to Absalom as he's hanging on this branch. And he took three javelins in his hand and thrust them into the heart of Absalom while he was still alive in the oak. And ten young men, Joab's armor bearers, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. See, I truly believe, church, that yes, for sure, the javelin through Absalom's heart killed him. Finally. But I truly believe that the wound, the wound in his heart started five years prior to this. The wound that his father, King David, had given him. Word gets back to David that his son has been killed. And here's what we read in 2 Samuel, verse 33 of chapter 18. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Talk about the saddest Father's Day message ever, huh? But you know what? This story shouldn't have had a sad ending. I believe this story could have had a different ending if David would have said two words to his son, forgive me. I know some of us have wounded our children. We're imperfect fathers. But listen to me, fathers. If you feel you've wounded your child in any way, you can start to restore the wound. You can start to heal the relationship by saying two words, forgive me. We need to make warriors, not wounds. For the remaining of our time together, I want to get a little practical with you guys. 
I want to suggest three ways we can accomplish in making our children into warriors, into godly warriors. But before I proceed, I want to make it very clear that it's the responsibility of both parents. Both parents are to make warriors in the home of our children. But is there a heavier responsibility on the father? Absolutely. Ephesians 6, verse 4, Paul writes this, Fathers, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Listen, men, when we as fathers provoke our children to anger, we are wounding them. Listen, when we do not discipline them and instruct them in the ways of the Lord, we wound them. We are called to build them up, make warriors, not wounds. How do we do this? First of all, they need confidence. Our children need to feel confident. In order for our child to become a godly warrior, they need confidence. What we need to tell our children as much as we can is this. I love you and I believe in you no matter what. I love you and I believe in you no matter what. We need to make confident children. We can do this by encouraging them. Our children are starving for encouraging words. Proverbs 12:18 says this, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. We wound our children with our words. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. We need to bring healing, not hurt. And look back on the way you have spoken to your children, men. Are you encouraging them? Or are you shaming them? Because we need to shape them up to be warriors. See, boys, boys need to feel that they are worthy and have what it takes. And girls need to feel that they are worthy and that they are beautiful. Confidence, confidence. Confidence comes from encouraging words, but also ongoing affection. We need to show our children affection all the time. Paul writes this in Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Affection must be provided all the time. Man, get rid of machismo. No, I can't cry. I can't show love. I'm a man. No, that's nonsense. I've got two men, a 19-year-old and a 22-year-old. Those are my boys. I hug them and I kiss them and I will continue to do so until God has me go home to him. We need to show them affection no matter what. Listen closely. And you know this to be true. Just look around, look around our community, look around our society. Men, an unaffectionate father will produce boys who don't know how to express themselves emotionally. Listen, men, an unaffectionate father will produce girls who will express themselves sexually. And we see that time and time again. Our children need to know that they are dearly loved so they can love dearly to all those around them. We need to make warriors, not wounds. 
How? Through confidence, but also through character. Our children need to have some character instilled in them. To make a child a warrior, they need character. Proverbs 27, 12, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Some of you are not going to like what I'm about to say. I think more so the moms than the dads. Listen, listen closely. You need to let your beautiful little baby innocent children to grow up. You need, you need to let them suffer a little bit. They need to understand the consequences of bad choices. My wife, she's a mom. She's nurturing. She's loving. And she tells me, I, but they don't have any more gas money. And I say, I, because they shouldn't have eaten that Chick-fil-A. They need to pay for the consequences for the wrong choices. I'm going to give my boys all they ever need. Of course I am. But we need to let them grow up. We need to stop mijosioing them or whatever. Stop saying, ay, pobrecito, what's he going to do? He's 35 years old. Get him out of the house. Make them men and women of character and consequences. Consequences builds character. And you know why the story ended the way it ended? Because David did nothing. There were no consequences for what his son did. And here we are. We need to help our children, church, move from childish dependence to a healthy independence. They need to be independent men and women. That's what a warrior looks like. I love what Doug Fields writes. He says this, we need to raise our children so that they are able to function and thrive knowing they have God-given gifts. Having developed some skills that they would become effective contributors to the world around them. Our children are our future. And you think things are bad now? If we keep wounding and not making warriors in our children, our future is going to look worse. We need to build confidence. We need to build character. We need warriors, not wounds. But above all else, the most important thing our children need is Christ. They need to have a passion, a love for Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lay down and when you rise. Our children need to know who they are because of whose they are. They need to know Christ. And fathers, listen. Christ must be taught, but it must be modeled. It's got to be modeled in you. Christ must be taught, but it also needs to be modeled. More is caught than taught. I hear all the time parents come to me and say, I want my child to go more to church and to read the Bible. How are you doing? Fathers, you want your children to read the Bible? Read the Bible. 
You want your children to have a desire to come to church. You have a desire to come to church. Children are imitating what they see in the parents and more specifically what they see in the dads. I am a volunteer here for our seventh grade boys on Wednesday night, our middle schoolers. Thank you. <laughs> and every chance I get when I meet a young man for the first time, I ask this question in the group. And I say, what would you like to see more in your father? I always get these two responses. Number one, I wish my dad would spend more time with me. I'm, I'm talking quality time. I'm not talking about him being my coach or just showing me how to get, be a better golfer or a better tennis player. Quality time. Because they say this all the time. My dad is there, but he's not there. Always. And I always hear this as well. I wish my dad would teach me more about God. And we don't. Sadly, we don't. If we don't have a passion for Christ, how do we expect our children to have a passion for Christ? We're passionate about everything else, right? Because I also hear all the time parents come up to me and say, but I want my children to have everything I never had. So what do we do as parents? We put them in the best schools, in all the sports, tennis, ballet, guitar, music, hockey, you name it, they're there. We want them to go to the best schools. What we're doing as parents we are preparing them to have this best life. What we need to do as parents is we need to prepare them for the afterlife. We need to show them who Christ is. The way, the truth, and the life. As fathers, we have that responsibility. More than the church. More than the ministry leaders. More than the pastors. It's you, men. Christ is the most important thing in your child's life. Warriors are made through confidence, character, and above all else, Christ. I want us to go back to our story, the ending of our story. As we read again in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 33, David was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and he wept. And as he went, he said, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. These wounds that the father created destroyed a relationship between a father and a son. But unlike David... The wounds of our Heavenly Father restored our relationship between us and God. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Been healed from sin. We just saw that David... Absalom's father wanted more than anything else to exchange his life for his sons. We see that God, our father, exchanged his son's life for ours.
John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, will not perish, but will have eternal life. The gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. I mentioned in the beginning that there's two warriors I can't wait to meet. David, whom we just read about, and Joshua. And see, Joshua, before he goes into the promised land, Moses didn't make it. Before he goes into the promised land, this is how I imagine it. Bear with me. Have all the Israelites behind Joshua. He's about to step into the promise. Says, oh, whoa, time out, time out, to the promised land. He says, wait, 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 wait. Before we go in, guys, before we go into the promised land, which God has given us, I want us to remember one thing. And here is what he says, Joshua 24, verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. He says, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose. You guys have a choice to make. And today is the day that you make that choice. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. So he stops them and says, let's make a choice. You want to change the way you've been living? Or you want to continue to serve the, the false gods? You want to continue the ways that you've been going about in your life? You choose. And then, imagine it. He gets up on this podium and he stands boldly like a warrior that he is. And he declares this. So men, if you are a warrior of God, if you're a father or not, but if you consider yourself a warrior of God, I want you guys to stand up. Stand up right now. Where you're at. Fathers, non-fathers, just men. Because today I want us to make a choice. A choice that from here on out, you're not going to be living the way you're living. You're going to be truly serving God. I want us to make the choice today that we're going to be warriors that make warriors, not wounds. So here's what I want us to declare. The same thing that Joshua declared in Joshua 24, 15. Say it loud like true warriors. Say it out loud with me. But as for me... Let me repeat myself. Say it loud like a warrior. Would you say it out loud? Go ahead. Amen. Amen. Thank you. When men would go into battle, one of the ways or reasons they would die is that they scatter. Let's not scatter, men. Let's go into battle as real men, as real warriors, as real Godly warriors, let's go into battle together, you and me, me and you, shoulder to shoulder. Let's start in our house, making warriors of our children. And then it goes on from there. This is a promise, a choice you're making today with your church family and before God. You guys may be seated. Thank you, men, so much. I'm excited about this new beginning, and I pray that it's not just an emotion. I pray that it really is a change, a devotion to go on to be warriors. To make warriors in our children by instilling in them confidence, character, but more importantly, Christ. Let's pray. 
Father God, we give you thanks and praise for who you are and continue to be. But most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. The King of Kings stepping out of heaven into this horrific world. Living a perfect life and then hanging on the cross on our behalf. Taking your wrath, a wrath that belonged to us on him. Thank you, Father. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as we declare today that we are going to be real men, real godly men. Not what the world says, but what your word says. We're going to be warriors that go out. Not just for a season, not just for a day. But from here on out, we choose to serve you and you alone, Father. We praise you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Love you, church. God bless you guys.